podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got Hello and welcome to the 85th, the, that's right, the 85th episode of Two Slips in a Gully. Getting up there. I'm joined by my co-host Glenn. Hello, hello. Uh, no Gary this evening, just the two of us again. Uh, so we've got, what an incredible test to, to wrap up between India and England. Mm. Um, yep. The uh, heroics of Headingley strike again. Yeah. They'll be fresh off memories of Ben Stokes. Carrying England to a victory in the Ashes. Yeah. Obviously, the last year they were no one, no fans there, so they didn't see any of that. But yeah, so yeah. the fans were treated to Ben Stokes had a year off, and then came back and were treated to yeah. that test. So. And of course, in the lunch break, they replayed that. And of course, I watched something else. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so we're gonna have that coming up for our 85th episode. We've got to knuckle down. You know, we're getting up there. We're yeah. hundreds in sight. Got to yeah, dig deep. That's like if if you if we don't make it now, like that that was a hundred that's gone begging. That's begging. it, hundred that's gone begging. Yeah. Um, the other big news that we're going to have a talk about is one of our favourite players um, of all time has announced his retirement from all forms of the game. That is Dale Stain. Yep. Uh, one of the best bowlers that have ever played. Um, and I, I I don't know about you, but for me, he's probably my favourite bowler that is not. In Australia? Australia? Yeah. Okay, yeah. In the modern era, yep. Okay, definitely. (laughs) I'd probably be tempted to go all-time favourite, but, yeah, there are some really good West Indian bowlers that I did enjoy seeing as well. Mm. But uh, I think, yeah, yeah, for mine, yeah, Dale Stane would be my favourite bowler that's not an Australian. Yeah. Now, if you're a really diehard fan, you might be saying, hang on, this sounds familiar. We did cover Stane's... uh, Retirement in episode four, but that was his retirement from Test cricket. So, and he's that good of a player that it's worth talking about him again. Yeah, any uh, excuse to talk about Dale Stane <laughs> is a good excuse for mine. So we are we are rehashing. That's that's a little scary with the hundred coming up that we're recycling our own material. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> so I hope someone got fired for that blunder. <laughs> got our Simpsons quote out of the way. It was nice Scotty. Early. Scotty got fired. That's why he's not here. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Fired Scotty. <laughs> Um, so all that will be coming up right after this. Got it! Patrick Sloverball, beautifully bowled. So the test between uh, India and England is rolling on. Uh, we're up to number three now uh, after yep. after the Lords Test, where England looked like they had it in the bag, and then then they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've moved to Headingley, which was the scene of. Uh, a very famous victory, and as we alluded to in the opening, uh, lightning struck twice. Yeah, well, I mean, they got on top of India sort of on that first day, and India never really got back. Um, yeah, I think there was a there was a time where it looked like uh, Kohli and uh, uh, Pujara might have had some heroics, but uh, they came up on that that fourth day and. Got a couple of early wickets, and yeah, that it was, was it. It was really, it was a really meek resistance on that fourth day. After all the hard work uh, on uh, 
on day three to position themselves into something that looked like maybe laying a platform to keep the game alive. I mean, they were yeah. so far behind the game that we're, we're talking cricket miracles here. But, yeah. you know, Coley and, and Bajara fought really hard on that third day and then come out on that fourth morning and it was just, yeah, it was woeful to see how India just folded on that fourth morning. But mm. uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. What we should be concentrating on, I think, is the first morning. Yeah. Uh, Virat Kohli won the toss, elected to bat. Uh, everything from that seemed like that was the correct choice. There was no sort of... Pitch looked good. Um, pitch looked good. <laughs> the overhead conditions weren't too bad. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, inside of, inside of 40, 40 overs. Yeah. Well, 41 overs, it was all over. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can't guess too much as a captain. Like, if, if overhead conditions were good, you got about first on that pitch. But I just don't think they've batted well enough. Um, I think it was also one of those really unlucky days where, you know, any any other day, half of those nicks have been players and misses. Yeah. Um, but it was also really well bowled. Because, oh, yeah. Because a lot of those, a lot of those early nicks that uh, Anderson got were from pitching it in the driving zone. And so what, like the Knicks weren't, you know, playing with soft hands trying to defend. It was, oh, I, I, like, a, I like a bit of that, putting it up there and then getting the, the ball to swing. Yeah, Rahul and Coley, especially two that stick out to mind that, uh, you know, saw a big juicy almost half volley and went after it and yeah. uh, found its way to the, to the slips cordon and it was all over. Yeah, I mean, there's not really a whole lot you can do about that. I think you're pre-programmed as a batsman to see that as a half volley and hit it. Um, I think Rahul was probably a little reckless early on, but I don't think Coley could have done much else. I think if Coley, even if Coley just defends that, he mm. still nicks it. That was a great ball. It got Coley out in the yeah, first innings. Yeah, so credit to Anderson. We, we don't like to give it to him too much, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh, the skill behind that bowling is quite incredible because I, I didn't realise this. There was, there was a good like bit of commentary on the the broadcast there where they showed how he gets it, the ball going down with a wobbly seam and then gets it to stand up on itself. And, uh, I mean, I... I'm still skeptical as as to whether he can actually do that, or you know, deliberately, or whether it just happens by accident some of the time. Um, but either way, I suppose you've got that in your armory, and yes, that it, it allows for the ball to swing late. Yeah, which is what undid a lot of the uh, a lot of the Indian batsmen. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was one of the ones that dismissed a left hander. I think it was. I can't remember which one. It might have been Pant or Jadeja in the first innings where, yeah, he showed the wobble seam. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the ball goes straight and then swings in late, um, which is, yeah, I mean, it's a skill that I think is unique to Anderson. I've never seen anyone else be able to do that. At least not as consistently as Anderson seems to be able to pull it off. So uh, India were, yeah, bundled out for 78, which is a a record low score for a long, long time for them um, in England. Uh, And then from there, uh, I think, obviously there's a lot of pressure that's taken off you as a batsman when you've just watched the opposition get rolled for 78. You you read a bit easier. But I also think India also expected the same sort of conditions to be there for them. And I got the feeling they didn't 
in that first afternoon, they yeah. just sort of tried to bowl wicket-taking balls every ball, whereas, mm. you know, you'll watch sort of the way that Anderson sort of, especially the Coley, set Coley up with, um, you know, in-swingers before hitting the one that ducks away and things like that, whereas yeah. the Indians, I think, had this mentality, well, you know, we've just been bowled out for 78, we'll just run in, bowl hard, you know, throw yeah. the out-swinger in and we'll just grab an outside edge and well, we'll have them three or four down before the end of the day and they just... Well, to be honest, we were joking that um, <laughs> that India were going to be back in by the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but... Um, Oh, Sharma just didn't get it right on that first day when they went into bowl. Like I, I don't know. I, I to me, he shouldn't be taking the new ball. I think, think. Shammy absolutely had to take the new ball. Yeah, on uh, on that day. But yeah, Sharma yeah. had an awful, awful test. Um, like I, I think in that side right now, Shami's got to be the number one bowler, and probably followed by Boomerah because he's shown a lot better form now. He's, he's come back from the injury a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Sharma is their most experienced, but he was also, uh, for the first test, he wasn't there. They had uh, Thakur was the, the bowl that they mm. used. So yeah. you'd think if there's going to be any changes to the bowling lot or to the lineup, um, yeah. which we'll talk about a little bit later on, um, that a fast bowler would have to make way, and it would make sense that yeah, Sharma is mean, one that would make way. Yeah, he's just not a swing bowler. He's, he's, he's really only got the end swinger. Um, which in those conditions, um, I mean, none of them are swing bowlers, but I just think Shami, Shami's been a whole lot more effective at doing what he does. Yeah, it has been for quite a while. Shami's been a fantastic Yeah, yeah. Actually, when he's a neutral, I can actually admire his skill. It's just hard when he's against Australia. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the England batsmen, there's been, there was some changes to the top order. Uh, Michael Vaughan was calling for this player's Inclusion for quite a while. Um, Darwin yeah. Milan came in at three. Well, you, which shuffled. you listened to him as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hasib Hamid came up uh, to open the batting, and obviously, and Rory Burns was still there. So um, Sibley was the one to make way, and the 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 top three all scored fifties, which yeah. has been the big difference between. Mm. England in the first two tests, and now is we've been waiting for Root to come in at two for not many. Yeah. To start some sort of resistance, and here it's uh, it happened straight away. And um, what I really liked about this is Rory Burns was the exception rather than the rule for the top three. And what I mean by that is um, Rory Burns is limited to where he can score his runs. So yeah. you can effectively shut Rory Burns down by simply just bowling a particular line and length, and he just doesn't have scoring shots. Yeah. So he's got to wait for the ball to and come back. He just back. gets himself through through. Sheer power, sheer willpower, um, which he, he does have in spades. The problem is as well, Sibley, his former partner, goes about it same the same way. way. Yeah. Whereas now, rather than being the, the rule, he's the exception. Um, Hamid, haven't seen a lot of him, but it looked like in this particular test, he's got some shots. I mean, now his strike rate was only 35, but yeah. he did score his runs around the ground. Yeah. Um, and Darwin Milan, he's been shown to be one of the, mo- the the better T20 international players going at the moment. So he's clearly got shots. Yeah. And what that means is, despite the fact that um, Hamid only had a strike rate of 35, it meant that India had to be on the whole time they bowled to him. Yeah. So if they got a ball slightly wrong outside off stump, Sibley would let it go. 
because yeah. he just doesn't have any scoring shots in that area. Same with mm. you know with Burns. If it wasn't in his area, you could afford to not bowl that ball right and you'd get away with it. Whereas yeah. Milan and Hamid were yeah. punishing those balls because they had scoring shots around the ground. And I think that's where England historically has made a, a little bit of a faux pas with its selection is they confuse, um, you know, selective with a dower. Yeah. You know, Sibley wasn't well, I mean, selective it's, it's, with his shots. It's, it's he just similar, simply didn't have them. It is a similar strike rate but that he has. But, yeah, you're right. It's it's all about scoring zones. And the fact that they just couldn't time down so much. He was rotating the strike a whole lot better. Rohit Sharma in that first innings was 19 off 105. This yeah. is a man that has multiple one-day international double hundreds. Yeah. He's a very classy batsman. Yeah, and gosh, he would have been... Disappointed with that dismissal. So what that means is that you you've had to bowl well to him for those hundred and five deliveries. Yeah. Whereas players like Burns and Sibley, you don't necessarily have to bowl well to them to tie yeah. them up. And I think that's the your, big difference. Your, your, your punishment for bowling poorly to them is the fact that they're still there. Yes. <laughs> Whereas they're not going to yeah. hurt you too much on the scoreboard. And I think that was what the real big change is that. Yeah. While India were were pushing the envelope, trying to force wickets instead of bowling to the plans that we've seen. Yeah. Um, Hamid and Milan were making them pay. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they probably got the mentality wrong there, India. Um, they should have been going out there going, okay, they've rolled us for 78. Let's try and stay in the game. Let's try and get them for less than 250. That keeps you in the game. Yeah. Like, you, you you make a good second inning score of a good 450 or 500, and you, you're actually bossing that game. Yeah, and, and Headingley, as they've shown in the last few years, there's a bit of life really early on, and then it really does flatten out to become a much more batting-friendly game, which is exactly what happened. Um, yeah. You know, England in their first innings got settled into a nice groove, and even India, like we said before, that disastrous fourth morning, we're finding batting a lot easier than what they were in that first morning. So, yeah, the, uh, yeah I think you're right. I think they, they came out and they were like, well, let's try and have them six or seven down when they get past us. So yeah. six or seven for 80. Um, whereas if they just went, let's just mm. set us up. Like, I think at that point, you've got to try and figure out how do we win this game in one innings, which would be... We need to restrict England to a score somewhere around about, like you said, 200-odd, mm. and then bat long, yeah. really long. And then what happened is they just went too hard too early. England got settled in. Their openers made headway. They put on a massive score of 432. Yeah. And then India are staring down the barrel of a nearly 400-run deficit, and the game's over. Yeah, yeah, largely. I mean, well, do you think that England will still be a bit worried about the middle order? I mean, Joss Butler still didn't really get away in that first innings. Well, that was the next point I was going to make is we're talking, you know, so they fixed the top order to a point. Obviously, like we said, it's one test. Um, it's the 22nd opening partnership since um, Andrew Strauss has retired. So right. they've been churning through them. <laughs> Somebody's doing the, the maths on this, right? Um, but, yeah, so it's one one game in a, in a game where largely there wasn't a lot of pressure on the yeah. batsman. I mean, obviously there was still there's a bit of life in the wicket, but you know that just one decent partnership and you've bossed the game, really. You've, yeah. So, uh, and Joe Root, of course, obviously is just scoring runs like there's no tomorrow. He's been in sublime form. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, after that, with a really good platform to work from, Bairstow came and went. 
Butler came and went. Mo and Ali came and went. Like these guys are all sort of supposed to be these aggressive style shot makers in the middle order. That this is the exact situation that they're supposed to be thriving in. Um, really good platform set up by the openers. Joe Root, you know, batting with Joe Root, and these guys mm. come in and look assured and and score runs quickly. And to be honest, I didn't really see anything resembling that from yeah. any of those batsmen. Mm. Um, well, to be fair, on best though, he's already he has already made a score for the series. Um, I mean, you want more than one score in a series, but and um, it was what sixty odd. Yeah, so, it, it wasn't an emphatic sort of. Almost hundred or hundred. With your career average is thirty three, less than thirty three. You need you, that. 100. You need it when you do need to go go on and score a you yeah. know, a, a start. You need to be capitalising on. Yeah, that. but I mean Butler hasn't convinced me yet, and he's had a lot of opportunities, and um, well, I'm not sure that Moeen. I'm still not sure that Moeen belongs there. I, I, you just can't have bits and pieces of players in Test cricket. Like you've got to have one skill that qualifies you to be there and then if you've got another skill that you can tack onto that good but you know even even when you're an all-rounder in, in cricket you, you 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 kind of almost make the side on one of those yeah and even like you can maybe maybe give away with it if um say for example that you know johnny best was like a quinton de Kock or a muhammad rizwan style player that yeah. was you know in the side as a, as a keeper but scoring really yeah. well. Expecting sort of, to bat in the six, in the top six. You can kind of make a way for a bits and pieces player provided you've got the other bases covered. So if they already had an elite, well, not an elite, but a, a test quality spinner to go with their, their pace attack, then you might forgive Mo and Ali yeah. for not covering all of those bases. But you're right. Normally, you need to be making the side as a batsman or a bowler, and I don't see how Ali makes the side in either discipline no. really. Um, well... I mean, his bowling is surprisingly, like, his, his numbers are surprisingly good. But I just think... I think he did a good enough job with the ball yeah. in, a, in a very seam-friendly yeah. environment. He did enough to, yeah, to make exactly. it... Yeah, exactly. Like, he was no better or worse than Jadeja, who's a far more accomplished all-rounder than he is. So yeah. they sort of basically play themselves to a standstill. Uh, yeah, they've still got the, some some questions to answer in the middle order, and uh, I believe Butler is out either yes. way. Butler will be missing the next test for the birth of his, uh, I think it's his second child. Yeah. Uh, no word as who's coming in to the squad, but obviously they've brought well, they've brought Sam Billings into the squad to yeah. um, be back up for the wicket-keeping. Johnny Bairstow will be taking the gloves and funny enough, he bucks the trend of wicket keepers slash batsmen. Most wicket keepers will drop the gloves and go yeah. on to have, you know, quite fruitful test batting careers. Yeah, okay. um, Flower, Sangakara, McCullum. Yeah, lots of lots of guys have put the gloves down and said, "I'm going to be a batsman," and they've improved. Yeah. And Besto goes the other way. He actually right. gets significantly better as a batsman when he's a keeper. <laughs> well. The, the stats guy should have told him this. Like, they've got data analysts. Why, why don't they well, throw in the gloves? Maybe it's a coincidence. Um, Possibly. He's, he's done the reverse Sangakara. The reverse, yes. Yes, he has. <laughs> um, so the, the other batsmen in the squad are Dan Lawrence and Ollie Pope. So they're so going to have to pick one of those. I would imagine so. I can't imagine them picking a... Billings for the sake of, yeah. No, no. They've, if they've it, given the gloves to Bairstow, they're not going to pick Billings yeah, as, as a batsman. He's there in case... Best, like 
Break, breaks a finger, yeah. Yeah, or you know, gets yeah. concussed and they need a keeper for the rest of the game or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, Chris Wokes has returned from injury and he's been brought into the side, but I right. can't imagine that they're going to go with a, a, a fast bowling all-rounder instead of mm, yeah. another batsman. No, again, it's just a bit, you know, uh, yeah, you, you, you pick your, your four best bowlers and your six best bats and you... Your keeper. So I imagine, yeah, you were looking at Lawrence or Pope. Um, I'd like to see them give Lawrence a go. He was picked in the initial side yeah, and then found his way out of the side. So you'd think that he would be the next man up, but mm. I have a feeling that they'll lean towards Ollie Pope. Yeah. Don't know. It's just well, Pope, do. Pope's made a pretty good start to his career. They've been pretty harsh on him, I think. Oh, well, he's had a good start domestically, but I think yeah. that it's been a start full of, like, I think Michael Vaughan, I'm paraphrasing here because I can't remember the exact quote, but Michael Vaughan said something on the lines that Ollie Pope can play all the shots in the book. He just doesn't know when to play them, yeah, which right. is his big issue. He's um, full of promise, but uh, but no temperament. Yep, and uh, and yeah. So Mark Wood's back as well, and Mark Wood's back from injury. So um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Anderson get rested from this one, but I think that's a big call. I think you got to capitalise on your momentum. Hmm. India historically bounces back from big defeats really well. Um, and unless this pitch is just absolutely not an Anderson pitch, I think you've got to play him. I'd hate to not pick Anderson, get smashed by India, and then you have to go and win the last test yeah. with India then having all the momentum when you could have yeah, really oh, look, bossed you, the series you now. You may as well play him now. He's no good in Australia. Everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to come over here and prove me wrong now. But, yeah. um, and so from the other side of things, India, so like we said, they've come away from a really stinging defeat. Um, yeah. The last time that happened, obviously, was in Adelaide when they were rolled for, for 36 and then came out and yeah. had a phenomenal series in Australia, probably one of the best series India has ever had mm. on the road. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they're a side that you know bounces back. I mean, how many times have they lost the first test of a series and then come back to just dominate the, the series. So Yeah, that did it did feel like a fair shift in momentum though. Like India definitely had the momentum coming into this test because they, they really won that one that they shouldn't have. Um and they should have won the first test as well, barring um, Rain. weather. Um so yeah. Now it seems like they're at least on an even keel and it seems like just you know, the good old English conditions. They know how to play in their their own conditions. That's one thing you can say about the English team. I think from an India's perspective, they've just got to think, we're not going to – how many times are we going to get rolled for, for 78? So, yeah, And, and just put it out, just go, that was a disaster. I don't know. Move forward. I, I don't know. I, I reckon for India, they need to bring in some more batting. I, I, I said that from the start of the series that uh, – but they probably won't because it would mean that they'd have to – to get a specialist batsman in, they'd have to drop Jadeja, and I don't think they're going to do that. Um, well, they don't necessarily have. To. I think the the answer to for India's problems will be dropping Ishant Sharma. Yeah, and go with Bumrah, Siraj, Shami. Yeah, and then Jadeja, and I think the two options that you've got is you bring in Ravi Ashram because the oval. Mm-hmm. has been a ground that has been conducive to spin, so you run with yep. a 3-2 bowling attack. And they do see Ashwin as a bowling all-rounder in yep. that side. I I mean, I see him that way when when he's playing in India. I don't see him that way when he's touring. I see him as a, a bowler who can bat 
a little bit, um, yeah. But in India, I mean, he has hundreds and I think he has a double hundred, actually. So um, it'd be interesting to see which way they go with that. It, either way, it will certainly strengthen the um, Indian lower order because at the moment, yeah. it's, once the sixth wicket falls, the whichever batsman's still in, it just goes into panic the, mode and has to farm the strike with the four wickets. The immediate candidates that come to mind, sorry, um, that come to mind are also top order batsmen, like your Shubman Gills and your uh, Shaws. Uh, like they're they're designed to go in the top, and I don't. They want someone to bat at six. Well, I think um, Kale Rahul has shown that he's capable of moving throughout the order yeah. without being too disruptive to how he plays. So, it, so it you is, think they might like bring in Shaw or or Gill? I I think that they will bring in Ashwin. Yeah, and leave the batting as is. But yeah. I, would, I mean that does strengthen their batting by <laughs> bringing in a bowler who can bat a bit better. But, um, I, yeah, uh, I also think they'll be remiss to go with only four bowling options Yeah. to to strengthen their batting lineup. They'll want that extra bowler, and there's no one else in that Indian lineup that can yeah. well, really bowl. I reckon it, it is crazy to me that, that Ashwin's not playing. He is... I mean, he's shown that he can he can do the job overseas. I mean, yeah. he's bowled he's bowled well. He's probably like he's he's up there with one of the best spinners in the world. Um, I think if you're an Indian fan, you definitely say he is the best spinner in the world. Um, so why is he not playing? Why is his name not you know default? Like well, I, I don't care what the conditions are like. You pretty much you you play your best four bowlers. And, and, and he's not useless with the bat, so you can sort of yeah. go like, you know, sometimes I'll be like, oh, we, we're trying to, you know, not compromise our batting lineup. And I don't know how India, like, obviously I'm thinking like that because they've picked four number 11s. Yeah. So I think it's very much conditionally based. They think the conditions are saying they need four quicks. They yeah. obviously don't have a genuine test um, all-rounder that can bat at six and mm. offer seam up. Yeah. So they've had to shorten their batting line up to include the four quicks. Mm. And, and the big thing from that is as well, um, they've that's moved Richard Pant to six. Yeah. Now, Richard Pant is clearly a very talented young man. I think he's probably the most talented batsman in that side. But he at the moment is yeah. disrespecting his teammates, his coaches, and his nation. Well, he needs to stop believing to, his own hype yeah. and coming in and batting as recklessly as he is at six because, let, let's face it, India have never been in a position of supreme dominance at any point in this series. It's basically been England has been yeah. that bad that they've been above he's, par. He's not come in with four for platform. He's come in for four, four for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not four for nothing, but four, four, four for, for a bit, not, not enough. A bit more than what England's got is yeah, basically yeah. how it's gone. I mean, yeah. uh, Coley hasn't fired, Pajara hasn't fired, um, Rahane hasn't fired. They've all individually contributed, but never really tied it together, and no big um, contributions. And then Pant comes striding in with the ball doing yeah. this, that, and everything. And then you'll watch two balls from Anderson and then charge down the wicket and try and flame over third man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. he needs, and he got away with it the first couple of innings, but yeah. His teammates deserve better because he is a talented, talented batsman. He's probably yeah. the most talented wicketkeeper batsman in the world. Yeah. He's 
very close to being the most talented stroke player in that side. And that side includes Rohit Sharma. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he needs to come out and actually get himself set. Bat responsibly. You're not at a wicket well, keeper yeah, where you've got... In that second innings, he, I didn't see his dismissal, but I read it on quick info, and it was just like uh, Richard Pant... Uh, Richard Pant, like, uh, chased a wide one. It was nowhere near oh, him. But like, yeah, there was... I'm like, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Just soft dismissal outside off stump. If, if he's determined to bat at six for a test side, he needs to be better and do the hard work. It's not It's not Australia where the ball doesn't do anything going sideways. Yeah. It's not India where the ball doesn't do anything if you're a quick bowler. I mean, this is Anderson's backyard. You can't yeah. come out here with memories of you reverse sweeping him for six with the new ball it's, in India. Yeah, that's and a different this, game. This is where Anderson yeah. makes this is where Anderson makes all his dollars. This is it. This is what he does. He, yeah. he tears batsmen apart in England. Yeah. And Pant is talented enough to know that, but he needs to stop believing his own height. There's a very yeah. good reason why when we talk about the War Brothers – Steve is always the one that we like the most, yeah. that is rated the highest. There's yeah. absolutely no doubt that Mark Waugh was the more talented batsman. Yeah, He could play just about every shot in the book, mm-hmm. whereas Steve Waugh could play, what, uh, a cut shot, a slog sweep. Take one in the chest. And take one in the chest. That was his whole repertoire, <laughs> and he scored 10,000 oh, runs. I, I like to joke about that, but he did have other shots, but yeah. <laughs> but not many. Like, no. he, he had very... He had a very compact game, shall we say. And he got his way to 10,000-plus test runs and an average of 50. Yeah, Mark he, Wall, he averaged almost 10 runs more than more than Mark. In yeah, the end. Mark, Mark Wall averages 42, despite being... The vastly superior batsman in terms of shot-making ability. And it all comes down to the value that mm. you put on your wicket. And I think Pant yeah. needs to repay his teammates a bit and come in and do a job. Because at the moment, he's not doing a job. No. Like, if he's going to get out to a good ball, get out to a good ball. But don't get out to a good ball that you've... Or even a, an average ball that you've just decided to chase because you've got delusions of grandeur of going for 100 now, runs right in a now, session. Right now, England see him, see him stride into the crease and they'll, they'll be like, well, we know how to get him out. You just you just bowl a wide Looking one. at this now, the tail starts after you take the fifth wicket. Yeah. Because until Pant... Oh, sorry, oh, the fourth wicket. The fourth wicket. The fourth wicket. Because until Pant can be trusted to apply himself, he's yeah. going to get you 20 or 30 and then find some ridiculous way to get out. So... Yeah. Going forward for the series, he really needs to just go, you know, this hasn't worked. I've played, yeah. you know, three tests now. I haven't really got a score of note. I need to work my... Because it was he scored a 100 over in England before. Yeah. A fourth yeah. innings 100, chasing down a big target. Like, the man can bat. But go yeah. out there, do yourself a favour, do the work so you can prove to everyone that you can bat. So India do have one other option that they haven't considered. They've, they've got a guy going around. Um, he tried to go in and bat at number four, but like they, they wouldn't have it, you know? Like oh, they, Jarvo. They could bring in Jarvo. 
into the middle order. He's um, keen. That's what they need. Someone's keen. Yeah, exactly. Get in there and do the hard Look, work. To be honest, like you, he's got a bit of padding on him. And uh, when you talk uh, about valuing his wicket, he had to be dragged <laughs> off the ground. I know, and you know he was banned for life from Headingley. But you know, like you, you can't. This game's at the Oval now. Yeah, so. it's at the Oval. So. <laughs> And you, you can't deny the guy's willingness to be out there. Like, he would have copped two pretty hefty fines, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and he's now never allowed back to Headingley. So, yeah. It, one of his to... pads was on backwards that time as well. <laughs> there was actually footage. It was on backwards yeah. because he jumped the fence and they threw him a bat from the crowd. Uh-huh. And then he was striding out. And then he noticed one of the security guards noticed him. And then so he takes about three sort of str- three or four strides out, just as a normal bat's going to do, nice and slow, sees a security guard and then toddles really quickly to the pitch. <laughs> and in doing that, it's turned his... So he obviously hasn't put his pads on properly, but, yeah, there was, yeah, some footage from the crowd watching him <laughs> jump And it got to that point, like, the first time that happened, like, the commentators were allowed to talk about it and joke about it. But it was, like, this time it was, like, that thing where you saw it unfolding... And you knew that the commentators were told not to comment on it. Yeah, it was just dead air. I was just watching it, yeah. Um, Maybe it was there was still a commercial break, actually. But, yeah, if you had... Oh, there was... They didn't go back to it at all and mention it Yeah, exactly. They were just like, yeah, we don't want to encourage this anymore. But, yeah. Um, The the fallout from that was is they had... I saw an article written up about how... Johnny Bairstow got all tougher in the guy's face and kicked a glove at him. Yeah, like, kicked right. a glove. Yeah. Jesus, go and talk to Andrew Simons if you want to talk about how to deal with pitching yeah, exactly. baiters. Kick the glove yeah. is not tough. I mean, that, that guy still has grass stains on his ass. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> He's got him! Knocked him over! The pressure was too much! Our final segment tonight, we are going to be talking about the retirement of Dale Steyn, this champion South African fast bowler from all formats of cricket. So as uh, Glenn pointed out in the intro, we did cover his uh, test retirement uh, back yeah. way back in our fourth episode, but uh, yeah, if if you want to go back to that, it's a we're a different it's a different show back then. We still had Scotty with us way back then, so it was yeah. a very different show. Mm. But, yes, uh, so we're going to go through, and now that Dale Stain is done and dusted, we're going to just revisit it because, like we said at the top, he's one of our favourite bowlers that uh, of all time. Uh, my favourite who's not an Australian, and I think yours is probably your second or third that's not an Australian after a few of the mm. the West Indies players. Yeah, the West your... Indies that I saw, yeah, going around in the, in the sort of early 90s, late 80s. Um, as a four-year-old, you can't really recall the 80s that well. Um, but, yeah, definitely a, a really good bowler in our era. Um, I think he kind of does get uh, glossed over a bit because he's not exactly playing for a champion side throughout. I mean, it's a, it's a really good side, but it wasn't so much of a dominant South Africa. I wonder why it's considered that, though, because well, I tend to agree. We don't talk. We talk about, you know, the, the 70s and 80s West Indies, and we talk about the 90s, 1000s Australian side um, yeah. as being these all-conquerors, but the South African side that he played in um, was every bit as good. I don't think they lost an away series. Well, while, who, who, and, you definitely have some sort of all-time greats like A.B. de Villiers, um, well, yeah, well, Dale Stane would be the last of that that era. So, yeah, yeah. De Villiers, Amla, Smith, 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure Callis and Stain would have played in the same side. So Yeah, well, for a, quite a long period of time. Yeah, so, but they just didn't, I don't think they won as consistently as you would maybe expect. Like a lot of these South African sides have, have got individual brilliance but have never quite put it together as a, a dominating side. I, I honestly think it's probably because they don't play as much test cricket. Yeah. And they're not a marquee side like Australia, like India, like England. But I think if you go back and look at their record mm. for that that nucleus of that side, so from probably what you're looking at 2007, 2008 to the to the mid thousands, they were every bit as dominant as the West Indies, as Australia. They, like I said, I don't think Dale Stain he went uh, quite a number of years without losing an away series. I think, and they beat most people at home except us. Really, yeah. they had. There was a bit of a bogey sort of yeah. team for each other. South Africa would consistently beat us over here, and we would consistently beat them over there. So, yeah. but yeah, mm. they were part of an incredible side, and it's just yeah, I'm a bit confused by that because yeah, they don't seem to get that same sort of level of mm. respect that I think well, they deserve. I think, I think there were other sides that were were going around who were as good. You kind of had a big three instead of one who was dominant. Not, yeah, and that doesn't mean that. That these sides weren't as good. They just it was just that the other sides were good as well. Yeah, they weren't so. that sort of like marquee side that you have to get. Like the West yeah. Indies are out here every other year. We were over yeah. there. Yeah. Um, same with England and India. We get them over as often as we can because you know they're the big exciting sides. But we talk about Stain himself. I'm sure you guys, um, if you're serious about your cricket, will know all sorts of the numbers. 439 wickets uh, at an average of 22. Uh, strike rate of 42. Um, the only player that played cricket after the First World War with a better strike rate than Dale Stane in history of Test cricket is Kagizo Rabada. Yeah, and time's going to tell on that. Yeah, and he's at the very beginning of his career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's, that's, that's like a long-term strike rate as well. Yeah, you know? so like, Stain like played 90-odd tests mm. uh, and held yeah. that strike rate. And then, yeah, there's it's astonishing. He is astonishingly good. But what we, we kind of get lost, especially because I suppose Dale Stain's the back end of Dale Stain's career was hampered by injuries, which meant that he wasn't available for especially shorter format games, is we kind of gloss over how good he was at One Day International and, and T20 cricket. Yeah. So he averages he averages 25 per wicket in ODIs, 196 wickets, um, and then he has 64 T20 International wickets at uh, 18.35. Yeah. Um, on top of that... Um, a stat that uh, after looking into this for this podcast, there was of the international bowlers that have bowled more than was there are thirty sorry there are thirty four bowlers that have delivered at least two hundred balls between the seventeenth and the twentieth over of a T Twenty international so the death overs yeah Jasper Boomer is the only player with a better economy than Dale Stain in the history of T Twenty international cricket and it right. is by point oh four. Right. Of a run. Okay. Dale Stane's economy for his T20 career in the death was 7.27 compared to Boomer's 7.23. And overall, his economy was just a tick over 6, 6.9. So mm. barely over a run a ball for T20, T20 internationals. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, if you had uh, five Dale Stones in your side, you're going to win most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> five Dale Stones. I don't even think you need that much batting if you've got you, five Dale you'd Stones. Have to, you'd have to do a bit of batting training to, for one of those, I reckon. But, you know, you've already cloned him five times, so you can change the... Alter his genome, you reckon? Yeah, exactly. Just get in there with the, the genetic engineering. And Anyway, we're going a little bit up beyond the scope <laughs> of cricket. Uh, um, so <laughs> his career is actually littered with really, like, amazing moments in the short form. And I suppose the one that's most prominent is that semi-final between New Zealand and, and South Africa where he yeah. sort of balls up the last over and, you know, yeah. cost them a and World Cup. And Grant, Grant Elliott just went nuts. Like and Grant Elliott had that wonderful tradition of New Zealand players becoming superheroes when it comes to World Cups. <laughs> who, who knew the name Grant Elliott before that World Cup? But yeah. we're, we're forgetting about the time Sorry. that um, yeah. <laughs> on a pitch where South Africa had scored, I think four for three fifty nine or six for three fifty nine, something like that against yeah. India. Dale Stain comes out and beats the outside edge. Of Rohit Sharma, yeah, fifteen right. times. Fifteen times in a one. Day. Okay, there were a couple of leaves. I'm, I'm embellishing yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I, so. I, I saw the video. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> a um, but of yeah, fifteen deliveries where he yeah. beat the. There was a cheer from the crowd when he finally edged one. Right. <laughs> so like, yeah. And then there, there was a time when he defended six runs in a T20 international by bowling five dot balls. Right. In the last oh. over of a T20, like the guy, the guy was yeah. special. Mm. Um, he was really a, a jack of all trades bowler. He could yeah. bowl, he could swing the ball both ways. Um, he was quick. He could work off the seam. He, you know, he was not as good as some people, but he was an exponent of reverse swing. Um, and I think the most thing that made him a successful fast bowl is he was mean. Yeah. He was a mean bowler. I still yeah, remember Yeah, it was the, scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The spell to Michael Clark. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of that one. Uh, and he claimed someone's wicket. I can't remember whose it was, but it was a great big wicket. And they, like, did the super slow-mo on him, and he just, like, flexed his muscles and, like, uh, I don't know, he did that thing where he tenses up his neck and goes, yeah! and it was like, oh, my God, that's, like, scary. That's, like, Terminator kind of stuff. Honestly, you know? if, I, like, if I saw that, you know, say yeah, that was, the you know, his second wicket in a row and he did that and I was coming yeah. out to face a Dale Stain hat-trick ball yeah. and I saw that as I walked out that replay on the big yeah, screen with his flex back. neck, I'd, or I'd really consider just kicking over the stones. Yeah, just kick him over. Like, <laughs> there's no Javo coming out to face that. Like, <laughs> No, Jarvo's not. I'm pretty sure the way that security's dealing with that is just like Dale. Just give him one. Yeah, just give him one. The umpire's like, just like, are you sure? Like, I know you're doing this for a laugh, but we'll let you face up. Stain's just sitting there, like steam coming out of his nostrils, going. Graham Smith's like, like. Dale Stain might murder someone yeah, yeah. today. Like, and the and the guy the guy who's due to come into bat next is like. Oh, good. This guy's just going to take one for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He's just an astonishing bowler. Yeah. He always seemed to have that extra gear to go to. Yeah. Um, I think I read a stat as well because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a stats man. We all know that. We're both stats men. So, obviously, James Anderson is the um, the other longtime elite fast bowler of the modern era. There's yeah. a lot of comparisons to Stain. 
versus Anderson. Yeah. I don't even think it's really much of a... I think Stain is by far and away the better bowler. So <laughs> someone's come out and said that if Dale Stain had bowled as many deliveries in Test cricket as James Anderson using his strike rate, his yeah. 42.3 strike rate, yeah. Stain would have finished his career with 839 wickets. Yeah. Obviously... It's a bit oh, of a nothing yeah, stat yeah, because yeah, yeah. Stain couldn't stay healthy bowling and, and, the way and that he did. Part of the reason that, that Anderson's admired is is that longevity. Like it is crazy how long he's been able to stay at the top level for sure. Um, the other one yeah. that I read was Stain bowled eighteen thousand six hundred and eight wicket uh, balls in Test cricket. Yeah. Of that, he has four hundred and thirty nine wickets. Yeah, and the of the the list of fast bowlers that have bowled at least that many or more, what wickets they were on. So Richard Hadley is next on yeah. three hundred and sixty five. Now Hadley was a prolific wicket taker, mm-hmm. and Dale Stain is what's that thirty five sixty seventy four runs seventy four wickets ahead of. Mm. Yeah. Where where um, Hadley was up to McGrath three sixty, yeah, you know I, Ambrose I didn't was three. Hadley's strike rate was so good. Um, um, Akram yeah. three fifty four, Ambrose three fifty. Um, you know the two his two biggest modern competitors, Stuart Broad and James Anderson three twenty nine and three twenty. Yeah. So Stain has got a hundred, almost a hundred and twenty wickets more in the same amount of balls. I think right, yeah. Then. Broad and Anderson. Um, he's a bowler that held the number one test bowling record, like the ICC number one ranking, for seven consecutive years. Like, Wow. Yeah. Well, he was. He was. I, I can't think of anyone who would have come near him during that period. Um, yeah. So that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. So... How do we talk about him as far as all time, or you know, modern era? Well, I think I think you've got to go all time. I think oh, yeah. modern we'll, era. We'll modern go. era is so. If we say modern era is what? So from the nineties. Yeah. Um, he's unquestionably the best bowler of the modern era. No, I, see, I I still have McGrath ahead of him. Um, yeah, I just think. If you see, you've got to think about if you're facing him, who you've got more fear for. And I think as far as that goes, you just don't know how you're going to score off Glenn McGrath. Whereas Stain, as intimidating and as as quick as he was, you still did know that you were going to get the occasional bad ball. You were going to get... You're going to be able to score off him in some way. Oh, I can see that. Um, I can see why you'd go with McGrath, as because yeah. McGrath was obviously a very special bowler. He's got over 500 Test wickets. Says yeah. no shame in being second. I think for me, it's Stain could do things with the ball that McGrath just simply couldn't. Yeah. Well, um, McGrath always swung his first ball. <laughs> and that was about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so but, yeah, yeah no. like you, you're right. So you, you're sitting there thinking that I can score off. Off Dale Stain, where McGrath is at you and at you and at you and at you, yeah. Um, and you're sitting there, you're just ways. figuring out what you can do. I think the flip side of that is Stain has so many more weapons at his disposal to remove you from the crease. Hmm. That while yes, you know, okay, I'm going to get a bad ball that I can put away, but yeah, am I going to get the big hooping inny? Am I going to get that ripping out swinger? Is he going to take my face off with a bouncer? 
Um, is he just going to see him whiz one into my ribs? Um, Look, if, if, if I had the choice, I'd, personally, I'd probably face McGrath just because you've got that 10Ks extra. Um, it's safer facing. It's safer, yeah. I mean, like, he's not... In terms not, of your physical he's safety. He's not going to hurt you as much. But, you know, I, I feel like McGrath's going to embarrass you a bit more. <laughs> so, so, all time then, so where... So, would um, you rate well, McGrath I, as the best all time? Have you got anyone ahead of McGrath? Uh, maybe, for me, Kurtley Ambrose. I know people talk about Malcolm Marshall, but I know, I've only ever seen replays of Malcolm Marshall. Um. Yeah, and Ambrose was the guy uh, back. Like, I only really, as a as a kid, saw um, the West Indies going around at their sort of top peak. But I, I did see, uh, you know, live on the TV, Kurtley get seven for one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just think, yeah, I think, and, and the fact that the guy wasn't even a cricketer. Wasn't yeah. He wanted like, to play. He wanted to play soccer. basketball or, or soccer. Yeah, fo- yeah, football. Um, yeah. Um, but so, so uh, you've got you've got Ambrose, best all time fast bowler for you. Yeah, for me. Yeah, and um, then yeah, McGrath. Uh, yeah, of the guys that I've seen, I'll go Ambrose, McGrath, and then then Stain, and then probably uh, if you want to round out a top five. Hmm, that's hard. I don't have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. Well, I think for mine, again, like you, obviously, being as the the age we are. I, We're my, talking fast bowlers Yeah, as well. fast yeah. bowlers, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Being the age that we are, um, Malcolm Marshall is very much highlights reputation statistics. Yeah. But um, I would have him as the best fast bowler that's played. Yeah. And then I'd have Stain sitting in at number two for yeah. mine. Mm-hmm. And then... Then guys like McGrath, Ambrose, Walsh, yeah, uh, Andy Roberts, Lily, Lily, all sort of jostling in that sort of three to seven range. Hadley, yeah, in there as well. I mean, there is very, there is such a, a, a tiny increments that separate these bowlers. It, it is hard to compare eras as well. It's it's always hard, but. Um, you can get a, a, an idea of, of people by by the sort of contemporaries that they had and how they were considered uh, in relation to them, I think. And, and for mine, what puts Stain there for me, and I know that um, McGrath was very good over in the subcontinent as well, so I don't yeah. think this is me saying that McGrath was bad, but it's just the average, 22, mm. 400 wickets, bowling the way he does, which was had to be difficult on the bo- on the body, yeah. I mean, fast bowlers, express, express fast bowlers don't tend to last nearly 100 tests. Yeah. Um, and he could go to the subcontinent and just be as equally as damaging over there. Mm. And how? Like, everything about how he bowls says that you shouldn't be effective. You, it's pace and bounce and swing or mm. his main weapons. And the subcontinent pitches nullify all that, and he still went over there. And I think he averages twenty-one. He's he's yeah. he's average his in average India. Actually, gets better in yeah. India than his career average, yeah, which is crazy. Tr- and I, I think yeah, we looked at we had a look at the stats breakdown, and there is a couple uh, a couple of small sample size ones that were in the low thirties, and that's as bad as it got. I think it was the UAE. 
maybe Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka, he had an average of like 30.3, which considering what he is, that's a perfectly acceptable average. Most people who make it to test cricket will be hoping that they can get a career average of 30. And that's as bad as he gets. That's, That's what he's doing on pitches that are giving him nothing. In fact, pitches that are giving him nothing, he's try- somehow finding ways to get more wickets. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, add all that together. Well, yeah, yeah. That's, I, I yeah. just think that elevates him over some of those players. And it's and purely, I think, just that, yeah. that meanness and that well, extra yeah, I mean, the, the other thing was I don't think the West Indies played a lot of games in, in India, I think. But Ambrose does has a, have a pretty good record in India as well. I think Marshall and Walsh, two other ones that have astonishing careers in the subcontinent. Yeah, but the, they didn't play so many tests in the subcontinent back then either. Mm. Um, India was kind of... Well, they would have only really played India, a, I don't... Yeah, I think yeah maybe still Ambrose. a burgeoning side. There was no real demand for, for West Indies versus Sri Lanka series. Um, you know, Sri Lanka back then... Well, Marshall would never have played the... Yeah, the the Sri Lanka. Yeah, and I, I, I think Sri Lanka back then was kind of considered in the same way that the Bangladesh are considered now, as a, a side that's developing into a competitive cricket side, but not quite there yet. Um, yeah, yeah, so that they were they were a minnow at that point. They hadn't established yeah. themselves as a force on the um on the world cricket scene. You know, it was well before. There was no Arjuna yet. There no, was no, no Sankara, little, no... No little Kalu, <laughs> no Joseph. I love that little guy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, for me, that's where he's... I've got him sitting number two all-time fast bowler. Yeah. And you've got him oh, roughly... Yeah. Roughly he's, three. He's yeah, yeah, three. It's, and and honestly, I think for uh, the, the top echelon fast... I don't think anyone could move Malcolm Marshall for me. I think that's one that, from the highlights I've seen, the stories I've heard, the stats, you know, the mm. games that I've read... I think Marshall has sort of etched yeah. himself. He, for me, it would take a very, it'd take a very compelling he, argument to move. He's kind of the Jimi Hendrix of fast bowling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it'd take a lot the, to the move. The funny thing him. about Malcolm Marshall is that, um, like, you, you think West Indian fast bowlers, you think a, a big, you know, six foot seven guy releasing it from nine foot with snow on it. But Malcolm Marshall was not that tall. He was the the skiddy guy, guy who yeah. just pushed it through. Yeah, like well, pushed it through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, just uh, probably a hundred and fifty k's, I imagine. But I think we'd both agree that if we went into a different room and uh, you said write down a top ten all time fast bowling list, yeah, we'd probably come back with largely the same people, but in completely the different order. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it just depends on who you've seen. Uh, I think that that does, it, like, it doesn't matter how much footage you go back, it, it's never quite the same as, like, you're watching the game, you know the game situation, and this guy is just going, just taking that game by the scruff kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, highlights often just see, you just see the wicket that falls, the wicket-taking ball, you don't see all of the... Yeah. Um, Especially when you're looking at highlights as far back as the seventies, where it's mm. not as easily accessible, you know you don't see all of the setup work that gets involved in that. So you're looking at all these wickets. Yeah, there's a lot of context that gets lost, but yeah, um, yeah for mine, seeing yeah. large a large part of Dale Stane's career, almost all of it 
you know, obviously you didn't see every single game because we're not don't have access to every single game that South Africa's <laughs> played. But yeah. for seeing a large part of this career unfold and just the, the heights that South African team reached, mm. um, yeah, obviously, like I said, he's he's etched himself into a place. He's my favorite favorite yeah. bowler that's not an Australian. I reckon maybe we could we could get another uh, episode out of just seeing how underrated that particular South African side that we're talking about was. There we go, you know. Sowing the seeds for a, a future investigation. Well, we still got we've got to work our way to that hundred. We've got hard yeah, work to do. We've got to knuckle down. We, we, Can't get out now. You know what? Though the the cricket season is coming up, so we won't have to work quite as hard for topics <laughs> soon. Um, you know, it's, not that it's been tedious. It's you know, I I will never tire of talking about cricket <laughs> which is why we've got a podcast at 85 episodes oh, yeah, that go along and still going there you go there you go <laughs> that'll bring our 85th episode to an end our next episode we will be uh having a look at the the fourth test the eagerly awaited fourth test in uh yeah in london between mm. india and uh england yeah uh what should i keep with my prediction you know it's uh it's one all now uh, my prediction was India by a little bit. Yeah, I still think that they can turn it around. I've my prediction at the beginning of the series was three one. Yeah, uh, and I'm still sticking with that. Largely, everything that I've said about the series has come to fruition. Um, in you know, India had probably the classier batting outfit, and England's batsmen were going to struggle, which is what's happened. Um, I still think that might be the case. Uh, you yeah. know, Hamid is still a lot of unproven. Milan has been in and out. I think it's a better-looking side, but India have a fantastic bowling attack, and it'll be interesting to see how they go the next yeah. test when they're it's back to level pegging and they're not staring at a, mm. a 78-run first innings deficit and that's all they've got, all they've got to worry about. Um, and, yeah, India have, have made a habit of bouncing back strong. So I, yeah. I, I do think this is the key test because... Mm-hmm. Um, I think the winner of this test will win the series. Okay. I think whoever... Yeah. Um, so you're not changing it? I'm <laughs> not changing it. I'm staying 3-1. I think India's going to win this yeah. and then go on to win the last test. But yeah. if India don't win this, I can see England carrying... If England carry the moment... I think the first hour is going to be really important yeah. to set the tone for this game, especially if it's um, India batting. Um, I think yeah. the best thing that they could do, obviously depending on the pitch and conditions, but if it's looking like a, uh, you know, even if it's a 60-41 way, I think the best thing they could do is win the toss bat first and just go, yeah. forget the demons, get out there, get runs under your belt, you know you can do this, and then just... Yeah. And then... You're right about the predictions, though. Like, it's really making us look like experts. <laughs> uh, like, we just need to, to go back and uh, use this as our resume. I did notice that they were advertising another Aussie selector thing on Seek again. Yeah, well, it was. our name's in the ranks. <laughs> if you're listening, gorgeous George, come on, we're yeah. doing it. We're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, <laughs> and we're totally for your you know, your World Cup squad. So you, you know we can we can tow the party line if required. <laughs> we won't let Langer gang up on you and pick all the marshes again. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, guys, thank you very all much right. for listening. We will talk to you all next week. Bye for now. All right. See ya. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network.